as we read this passage, will you stand with me as we read Hebrews 1 and jump into Scripture? Let's prepare our hearts to listen to this beautiful passage of Scripture. If you want to close your eyes to really listen to, reflect on if you want to read along, you can do that. Hebrews 1, 1. Long ago, sounds like we're starting Star Wars, but it's not, it's Hebrews. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Go ahead and remain standing as we pray. Father God, we come to you this first service of the year, beginning of 2024, and we, we acknowledge how much we need you. How much we need you. Lord, I know for, for myself and probably for all of us in this room, we so often forget the fact that we do need you every single day, every single hour, every minute that we cannot walk with you and truly abide in you without your help, Holy Spirit. So God, I pray for my friends in this room who want to seek you first, who want to seek your kingdom and your righteousness, who want to know you, who want to love you with all their hearts, souls, minds, strengths, and to love their neighbor as themselves. God, I pray that you would help them, help me. Lord, to be able to walk with you, to believe in faith that you're worthy of our lives. Lord, for those in this room who feel worn out and weary already, just, just 10 days into the year who are, who are feeling worn out, who are feeling weighed down by, by all the things they have to do in, in, in school and in sports, the things that are involved in difficult relationships and family. Lord, I pray there be rest in your presence tonight. A reminder that we can live a true peace because you are with us. So Lord, for those who are tired and feeling worn down, would you bring encouragement to them tonight? And God, would you show us how good you are, how trustworthy you are. We love you. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Dab someone up next to you and go ahead and sit down. Go ahead, go ahead, dab, dab someone up, dab someone up. Yeah, yeah, All right, go and take your seats. As we jump into the book of Hebrews, I want to go ahead and give us some quick context for this book. Shh. Quick context, okay, just a few things that we need to know about this book so we can properly understand it and read it, okay? The book of Hebrews, shh, quiet down, quiet down, quiet down. All it took us one dap and it, like the room erupted, it's great. Okay, book of Hebrews, it was, it was most likely written to a group of both Jewish and Gentile Christians somewhere near Rome, if not to the city of, uh, of Rome itself. And this is one of the few books in the New Testament where we actually don't know the author. All we know is that they know Timothy and they heard the good news of the gospel from the apostles. And so what we do know about this book is that it was written to Christians who are enduring persecution. They're, they're undergoing harsh persecution, and, and it says in Hebrews 12 that they have not been persecuted to the point of bloodshed, but what we see is that they are going to prison for their faith 
in Jesus, that they are being slandered and isolated because they call themselves followers of Jesus. We see even that their homes are being broken into, that people are, are circling certain families saying, hey, these, these are part of like the Christians. Let's, let's go in and let's take their stuff. Let's rob them. Let's break into their homes. Let's throw them in prison. Following Jesus was costing them something. It was costing them something, something that, that we honestly don't really like, experience too often, right? Like, like none of us are following Jesus and in fear that we're going to prison for following Jesus, right? Like that, that's not something that, that happens here in our context. Like people aren't coming in and being like, I'm going to rob your house because you're a Christian, right? That's, that's not a thing, but these Christians are undergoing some harsh persecution. And the question is for, for these believers 2,000 years ago and us today who, when we follow Jesus, it costs us something. We have to choose to say yes to Jesus and no to like a hundred other things that maybe we actually desire. We have to ask ourselves this question. First of all, how do I keep following Jesus? How do I keep following Jesus? This is what the book of Hebrews is all about. It's a strong encouragement to run the race. Look at your neighbor and say, run the race. Some of y'all are like, no, I hate running. It's okay, it's okay. But like this, this picture running the race of continuing to endure in good things and in bad things, come what may, to not grow weary, to not falter, to not turn away. So the question for us is how do we do that? And maybe even a more important question is like, why should I follow Jesus if it's gonna cost me something? Why on earth should I follow Jesus if it's actually going to mean saying no to things I desire? Why should I follow after Jesus if it's going to mean I'm going to get made fun of by my friends or if I actually really live like Jesus told me to, I'm going to get labeled as judgmental, one of those Christians, as all these different things. Why should I follow Jesus? This is an important question for us tonight. And the answer that we see in the book of Hebrews is simply this. We follow Jesus, no matter what it costs us because of this, that Jesus is better. Can you say, Jesus is better? We follow Jesus because he is better. This is a theme we'll see all throughout Hebrews, that Jesus is far better than any person or any other thing. And the challenge for us is do we actually believe that? Look at Hebrews chapter 1 with me one more time, this passage we just read. This is what it says, it says, long ago, and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So let's, let's pay attention to verse four here. What this is saying is that Jesus is better than angels. Okay, Jesus is far better than angels. So Jesus isn't just this guy that like was on like an equal level to angels, but Jesus is like far better. And the implications of this come in Hebrews chapter two. If you have your Bible, just turn the page over one. In Hebrews chapter two, we see kind of the first warning passage we get in Hebrews. We'll see several of these and like they're pretty intense. There's some that you read it and it's kind of like, oh my goodness, like, this puts the fear of God in me, which is, which is actually a good thing. But look at what Hebrews 2 tells us. It says, therefore, we must pay much closer 
attention. Everyone say, uh, pay attention. Pay attention. We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable in every transgression or disobedience, received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and was attested to us by those who heard while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. What this passage is saying is that because Jesus is better than even the angels that declared the good news about who God is in the Old Testament, we must pay attention. Look at your neighbor and say, pay attention. We must pay attention because Jesus isn't just like a normal do not a great prophet, but because Jesus is so much better, we must listen to what he says. What he says reflects who he is. Are you with me? What Jesus says reflects who he is and who God the Father is. Let me ask you guys this. Have you ever, have you ever been friends with someone who they say they're going to do one thing and they do the exact opposite? You guys, you guys know anyone like that? They, they say they're going to do one thing. Some of you all turn to your neighbors like, that's you. That's, 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 just me. that's mean, man. Like, they, they say they're going to do one thing and they do the opposite. Or they say they're going to not do something and then they do it. You, you guys know anyone like that? You guys know anyone like this? I, you, you guys might relate to, to this situation. I had a really good friend in middle school and high school. That I, I loved him. He was a good friend, but, but he was a bit of a ladies' man, okay? He was a bit of a ladies' man. All the girls in here said, mmm, one of those. Yeah, you stay away from them. You stay away from them. We don't know, don't know why no ladies' men. But, so this guy was like a straight ladies' man. But through his middle school and high school years, what, what, would like, what happened, just like, it was, it was cyclical. Like, we could count on it. Was every, like, month or two, he'd be, like, crushing on a girl. And then, like, he would always, like, go back to the same girl that he liked. And, and then, like, it would come, like, at a point like, every, like, month or two. I see some of you, like, whispering immediately when I say that. I just know you're saying names. Like, bro, that's just like that dude. Like, like and so this dude, like, every month or two would go back to, like, the same girl, same girl, same girl. And any time he would talk to us, he'd be like, hey, I, I, I'm not going to try to pursue her anymore. That's, that's a nice Christian way of saying it. I, I'm not going to pursue her anymore. I, I'm done with that. And so at first, we're like, all right, like, we believe you. Like, we believe you that you're going to stop and, like, you're not going to try to date someone, like, every other week, right? Like, we say we're, we believe him, and then it was, like, two weeks later. Wait, dude, are you, like, you're talking to this girl all the time now. Like, do you like her again? Well, yeah, but, it's, you know, it's, it's because, of, like, she's, she's changed. I'm different now. Things have changed now. And it was, like, at first it was, like, okay. And after, like, four or five, six years of knowing this guy, it kept on happening. And so you know what, anytime he told me or any of the boys about like him wanting to pursue this girl or being done and like, no, I'm not going to try anymore like, to date her, all we could say is like, you're a liar. <laughs> like, like, you are a liar. No matter how many times you try to tell us you're going to do this or you're not going to do this, at the end of the day, his actions did not line up with his words. Can you, can you guys relate with that? Maybe that's some of you in this room. I think we all do that sometimes. Like, like someone who it's like, you say you're going to do one thing, but their actions are different. And the point that Hebrews is trying to demonstrate from the very get-go is that this is not who our God is. This is not who our God is. But what Jesus says and what God says is true to what he actually does. He doesn't say one thing and do something else. He doesn't say one thing just to be nice and he's actually ready to, like, to put the hammer of judgment down. Like 
Like what Jesus says and what he does are the same because he is good, because he is God. What we see here is that, is that we see it in the beginning of Hebrews that we have a God who speaks. That we have a God who speaks. As long ago, God spoke through the prophets, but now he has spoken through Jesus. And I believe that for us to follow Jesus, we must have two convictions. Go ahead and put this up on the screen, Jackson. To follow Jesus, to actually, to make the decision of, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, we have to have the conviction that, number one, that we have a God who speaks. Everyone say, God speaks. We have a God who speaks. We have to believe that, that God isn't just a big cosmic being who is far off and removed, who doesn't really care about anything that happens in our lives. What we see from, from the get-go of Scripture is that God speaks and he enters into the physical world. The second thing that we have to believe, this has to be a conviction that we hold on to, is that God has spoken through Jesus. That God has spoken through Jesus. Jesus. In other words, if you have questions about who God the Father is, what he is like, what he actually like does, we can look at Jesus because this passage tells us that God has spoken through Jesus. Are you with me? God has spoken through Jesus. One more time, look at Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 with me. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke. If you have your Bible, I want you to underline that. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken, underline that, he has spoken to us by his son. You see what is incredibly important to recognize is that God is a God who reveals himself and speaks, right? And this is something that we see from literally the first page of this book, right? Genesis 1, we see that all of existence, all of the world, human life and identity and value starts with God speaking. It starts with God speaking. When God creates men and women, he, he speaks and assigns value and identity and dignity. And what happens in Genesis 3? You know, you know what happens when, when the slippery little snake comes in and starts to lie to Adam and Eve? What does he say? Did God really what? Did God really say? Did God really say you couldn't eat from that tree? Did God really say? And the question that the enemy wants us to doubt is, is first of all, does God actually speak? And second of all, well, did, did God actually say? Well, why did he say that? He's just trying to withhold from you. He's saying that he loves you and that his actions are one way, but his words are something different. He's making these promises to you, but actually he's going to let you down. Have you guys ever believed this lie that maybe God says something, you, you read scripture, you hear about Jesus, and it all sounds really good, but you maybe think you have the suspicion that God is actually different than what he says. What we see here in Hebrews 1, verses 2 and 3, it says that the Son is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. What we see here is that, is that this, this idea of Jesus being the radiance of God is like the rays of sun coming from the sun. Like if you think about this, like the rays of, of sunshine that like we feel and actually like give us like warmth are like directly coming from the sun. They're not separate from the sun, right? Or when it talks about this idea of him being the exact imprint, it comes from this Greek word that means, or that, that is character. Everyone say character. Sounds like another English word, right? Character. It's because it comes from a very similar word. Character, something to that is the imprint is an engraving tool. And it means from the same. 
And what this passage is saying is that who Jesus, he is the exact imprint of God, meaning everything that Jesus is, is who God the Father is. Are you with me? Everything that Jesus is, what he says, what he does, has a direct relationship to who our Father is. So real quick, I just want to suggest two simple points for us tonight of what this means for us and how this helps us to continue to follow Jesus. Two points. Number one is simply this, that Jesus is God. Can you say Jesus is God? Jesus is God. Look at Hebrews 2 with me one more time. This is really, really important for us to grasp tonight. Hebrews 2 verse 1, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. What this is saying is that the, the message that angels declared when people disobeyed the word of God that came from angels, retribution or, or judgment would follow that. Judgment would follow that. And this is what it says. Then how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How shall we escape the, the wrath of God if we look at the salvation of Jesus? We treat it as something small. This is something to take seriously, right? Everyone, everyone look, everyone listen to me, listen to me. What this passage is saying is that God's word is true and he has been speaking it from the very beginning of history and he's made it even clearer through the person of Jesus. But if we take it lightly, if we take it lightly, that's when we are liable to judgment. What this is telling us is that Jesus is not just a prophet. He's not just a really good teacher. He's not just a really good moral example to, to try to emulate and be more like. No, no, no. What this passage is telling us is that Jesus is God. One more time. Everyone say, Jesus is God. It's telling us that Jesus is God himself. Not just a really good teacher. He is God. I want to suggest this to you guys tonight, and maybe a lot of you have been experiencing this in your lives, that if we, if we do not have the conviction that Jesus is God, following him will feel like burdensome work. If we do not have the conviction that Jesus is truly God, that God himself came to earth to give his life for you and for me, if we think he's just a good moral teacher, a good moral guy, and trying to follow him, be so tiring. It'll be so exhausting. It'll, it'll feel so worthless and so pointless. Why, why do I need to do all of these things? Why, why do I have to try to, to love my enemies and, and do good to those who hate me and like try not to, to lust and not be angry and do all these things? Why should I do all these things if we do not see Jesus as God? Following Jesus will just be a burden. It'll be a list that we have to check off to try to be good enough maybe one day to get into heaven. And friends, you know this. Believe this with me tonight, that that is not the gospel. But the good news is that we have a God who came and he, and he made the purification for sins. He gave his life for us. This is the type of God we have. Which leads me to my second point tonight as we close. That Jesus is trustworthy. That Jesus is trustworthy. And when we say that Jesus is God, we're not talking about him being far off and distant and really not caring about anything in our lives. We actually see that Jesus 
is trustworthy. What we see in Hebrews 1 is we have this amazing list of like these cosmic functions that the Son of God, Jesus, does, right? It says that he upholds the universe with his hand. He's the radiance, the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Like through Jesus, everything has been created. It's big stuff. Like, like Jesus is powerful. He's the very son of God who like literally because he exists and because he is upholding all things, you and I can live. Like he, he's doing some pretty big stuff. But then what it tells us in verse three is this, that Jesus came and he made purification for sins. What does that mean? Jesus came and he took on human flesh like we were just talking about over the last few weeks in the season of Advent, remembering the fact that the very son of God, Jesus, who is God himself, he came to earth, took on human flesh, and he suffered for you. He suffered for you and for me. So why can he encourage us and challenge us to keep following him even when we face suffering? Because he knows exactly what it's like to suffer. This is the type of God we have, and this is why he is trustworthy, because he is good, because he is a God who is good and who cares for us. Amen? Amen. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up. I want to read this quote really quickly, and then we're going to go into a time of worship. A lot of you guys have heard this quote before by A.W. Tozer, a great theologian. He says, What a man thinks about God is the most important thing about him. What a man or woman thinks about God is the most important thing about that person. What what comes to your mind when you think of this question, who is God? What Tozer suggests is that's the most important thing about you. I want you to think about that. Maybe even just close your eyes right where you're at and, and ask yourself that question. Like when you ask yourself the question, who is God? What are like the first things that come to your mind? Just think about it. First thing that comes to your mind. See, I believe what, what Scripture shows us ultimately is what, what God thinks about us is by far the most important thing about who we are because what God thinks about us is what is true about us. When God looks at you, when he looks at his sons and his daughters who have chosen to receive the gift of salvation, what he sees is you're forgiven, you're loved, you're new, you're mine, you're my kid. You see, the problem is, is if we believe we have a God who, who says one thing and does something else, who, who promises certain things, but his actual character, his actual nature is something completely different, we won't be able to receive those things as truth. Are you with me? This is why what comes to your mind when you think about who is God, who is God the Father, who is Jesus? Who is the Holy Spirit? It's an important question. The first thing that comes to your mind is suspicion that God's withholding from you. That maybe like Jesus is the nice God who came and like wanted to show you love. 
And God's the grumpy old man. Like, God, if I was grumpy old man, arms crossed, like, I ought to smite him and judge him and do this. And Jesus like, hey, cool, I'll, I'll, go, I'll take one for the team. I'll go tie on the cross. What we think about who God is greatly affects what we are able to receive from him as truth. You can go and look at me. Friends, as we begin 2024, as we lean into this new series together, my, my challenge for us is really simple tonight. I don't think anything I, I said tonight was like new. Like, oh, Jesus is God. Jesus is, is, is trustworthy. Okay, cool. But I think if we don't ultimately believe those things, if that is not the conviction that we are willing to build our lives upon, where if you're, if you're like in a tough season already, like you feel like you're one week into school and you're like, gosh, my mental health feels terrible. Like I, I am struggling. Or like, like, you're like your family situation is horrible and maybe you were just like dying for like the first day of school so you could get away from your parents' divorce or the messy relationships you have with your family. Wherever you're, you're coming in from tonight, You and I, we cannot follow Jesus. We cannot follow God. We don't actually believe, first of all, that Jesus is God, that he is actually worthy of our lives. And we won't follow him if we don't think he's trustworthy. And friends, what I want you to hear tonight is that Jesus, the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, what that means is that who Jesus is, what he has said and what he has done shows us clearly who God our Father is. You, you want to know what that is? That means that he is loving. Like your Father loves you so much. How, how do you know that? That Jesus came and died on a cross for you and for me. How, like how do we know that our God is a God who forgives, that does not hold shame and condemnation towards those who are unfaithful towards him? Because Jesus on the cross, while he's suffering and in pain, says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Friends, if you are unsure about who God the Father is tonight, my encouragement to you tonight, look to Jesus. Will you stand with me tonight?